Blackbird episode number 33. My name is James, and today we are joined once again by Pavel, the full-time crypto trader. I asked Pavel to come back on to explain to me what's going on in the crypto markets right now. It has been a pretty volatile month, and a lot of commentators are still optimistic about the rest of the year. Some of them are pretty bearish about the rest of the year and for the time to come. So I just wanted to get Pavel's take on it. I know that it's probably a lot more nuanced than just Bitcoin to the moon or Bitcoin to the basement. And of course, then there's also all of the DeFi tokens and altcoins and Shiba Inu and all the other stuff that uh, that's kind of been in the news or in the in the social milieu lately. So I wanted to get his take as sort of our resident crypto expert. Before we get into the interview, let me tell you once again about BU Enterprises, Juliet Nail, our favorite yoga instructor, mindfulness expert, et cetera, et cetera, is still waiting for you, yes, you, the person listening to this, to drop her a line at buenterprises.com, B-E-Y-O-U enterprises.com is your stop for online yoga and Pilates training. She'll even teach you how to stand up straight and breathe right and all that other stuff that you know you're doing wrong according to the way that your body is designed to work. So if you are ready to get back in touch with your physical body and your physical reality, get in touch with Juliet Nail. Once again, that's at buenterprises.com. And with that, here is my interview once again with our friend, Pavel. All right, Pavel, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me back, James. I'm really uh, happy to be back. Yeah, totally. So since the last time we talked on the podcast, you have become a crypto celebrity, joining Robbie the Fire Bernstein twice, right? Yes, I've uh, I've been uh, in the King's presence twice now. That's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. So this is your third appearance on my show. I couldn't let him beat me. Oh no, you got you got to outdo the royalty where you can. And since then, we also have hung out in an undisclosed location. Uh, yes. You gave my partner some tips on crypto using your real Pavel Russian accent, which was really interesting to hear. Yes, it was. You, I'm glad, yes. I'm glad that you put on a fake American accent for, for appearances on podcasts, though, because it helps the it helps the folks understand what you're saying, because, uh, you know, accents can be tough. So I wanted to ask you, well, first of all, why am I all of a sudden broke? Well, we got a little overheated a little too quick. Yeah. To, uh, to say the least. I and mean, we had the worst liquidation event in Bitcoin and all of crypto's history. History. Wow. Okay. Yes. It was worse than the uh, the March uh, of last year, the COVID crash from last year that basically brought us crashing down back to the very lows from the bottom of the last bear market. And it was there was like there was more selling volume than there was then. It was a more brutal uh, destruction of capital than we've seen yet. And we didn't go back to like super low. I mean, yeah. it doesn't, the, the chart doesn't look the prettiest right now. And as of right now, we're recording on uh, June 14th. It is recovering right now. Actually, it, Bitcoin's back in the 40,000s. And it's, right. it's looking like it wants to test the upper you know, the upper ranges here. Uh, because, well, and I, yeah. I remember, like, just for, for, for perspective, I remember just a few, a few months ago, like, I think it was New Year's Eve even, or maybe Christmas Eve, I was like, holy shit, Bitcoin is about to hit 20,000. 
Like it yeah. was a huge deal. Um, so like just for perspective, like so when you said the the biggest, what did you say? The biggest sell-off in history was that the yes. one It was the biggest. Well, it was the biggest liquidation event. In liquidation history. event. Okay, because so that does not yeah. mean the biggest. The biggest like percentage drop or anything like that. Then is that right? Uh for it was not. And overall, it wasn't the worst drop. But in terms of how quick it happened, mm-hmm. uh, and just where we were in the market cycle, it definitely is the worst we've seen in a long time. And I, th- I think it was the worst because it was worse because now we have more leverage in the market. Because years ago, like back in 2013, 2014, uh, and previous to that, we didn't have all these leverage platforms that we do now where people can take, you know, they can trade, you know, on margin, they can take out, there's, there's billions and billions of dollars uh, on margin. And that's, that's part of the reason why I think we got so overheated so quickly with this, uh, this cycle was that for the first time ever, we have a full cycle in the crypto market that has leverage, that has futures, that has options, that has these derivative markets mm-hmm. that allow big players, you know, to manipulate a little more, unfortunately, like traditional markets. And however, at the same time, it allows the insanity that is crypto to sort of bring it up to dial it up to 11, even though, you know, which it was a 10, which we, we, you know, we thought that that was as high as it could go, but then somehow it just it went crazier. <laughs> but I, I think, I think long-term, uh, and by long-term, I mean like over the next few years, like this is, this is just going to be seen as another, another normal drop. Because if you go back on the Bitcoin chart, any, you know, like just long-term in the crypto market cap, these massive drops like this, they happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, ha- they don't happen to such quick, with such quick severity like they do uh, recently, where we got every, every, where tons of people just got liquidated. It was a bloodbath, which is why I, you know, I didn't see it coming. And in hindsight, I'll, I'll finish off on this note. Maybe one of the richest men in the history of mankind going on Saturday Night Live to uh, shill a meme coin was a bit of a local top signal. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, you have always told me that like celebrities and, you know, Elon Musk is a celebrity. Yes. Uh, that celebrities really, really pumping stuff is sort of a, a sign that it's getting overheated. Um, I think that maybe we saw Elon as, like a sage rather than a rather than just another celebrity. Yep. I think that was the problem is that we saw Elon as someone who was not like soldier boy who was out there tweeting about uh you know some crappy NFT scam or something like <laughs> that. You know, he was talking about you know he owns Tesla and SpaceX, these mm-hmm. companies that, you know, and, and yes, there's some ballot criticisms of them and, and of him, but there's real things happening. There, like and, he's and someone who's building, and plus he's super autistic. Yes, and, well, which, and his, yeah, which was which, you know perfect for crypto. Yeah, um, yeah. So I know that this is just th- th- what caused a lot of my stuff to be liquidated, and I know that you've told me this uh, is pretty common. Was my my stop orders? They just ca- they just kind of cascaded. Or is it limit orders? I, I get those mixed up. But the, is the, the limits. Yeah. So the, the the orders that basically are sitting there waiting for the tr- price to drop to a certain level um, kind of tend to cascade. And then so everybody's got their stop limits set. And uh and so that in itself causes the market to crash. Is that is that right? Or yep, yep. It's like because as you know, you use uh, an algorithm to trade. 
And many more people use algorithms to trade, especially a lot of people with size, they use algorithms. So it just, it basically, it's like a wave through the bots. And once that momentum, it, it just catches steam, it doesn't stop until eventually we find a point in the market where buyers step in and there's enough buying pressure that the price isn't really going down any further, which I think we might have seen hopefully here. This could just be a bounce. You know, we could just be forming uh, another short. Like if you look at the Bitcoin chart right now, um, just talking about Bitcoin since that's, you know, obviously, you know, the most, uh, that's the number one in terms of market cap. We'll talk about Ethereum and other uh, mm-hmm. DeFi projects here pretty soon. But if you look at the Bitcoin chart right now, it is forming what could be a head and shoulders, which is historically a bearish pattern uh, in most markets. However, crypto functions a little weird. And in previous bull runs like and this, just whenever to, we have... Real quick to, yeah. to interrupt, a head and shoulders is kind of where it looks like the Wonder Woman logo with like like one kind of short short part of a W and then the middle of the W looks higher and then kind of like someone shrugging their shoulders. That's why they call it that. Yes. Um, but to me, it looks like the Wonder Woman logo. Um, and this is in the price chart. This is just for the for the noobs listening. Yeah. So if you if you just really zoom out, like if you if you look at Bitcoin on a really high time frame, like you know, the weekly, the monthly, mm-hmm. uh, you can sort of see that forming. Uh, however, historically, if you go back in time into previous bull runs, you've had similar bearish patterns form on time frames like this, and we just keep pumping up from there. Mm-hmm. And I think there obviously is a bullish case not just for Bitcoin, but all of crypto, especially right now, because of, well, inflation. Uh, I think think the Fed, it was today or yesterday, the New York Fed came out saying that, you know, food prices are up eight or 9%. Housing, you know, your average house price, uh, not sorry, not house, rent is up 9% by end of year. Just the average cost of living is going up, you know, and that's what they're reporting is 10%. Mm You know, you now have El Salvador accepting Bitcoin as legal tender. Um, well, they're in the process of accepting as legal tender. And there's obviously, you know, there's some there's some issues with the way that they're setting it up there. But I mean, long term, this is, I mean, it's a pretty bullish case for the adoption of Bitcoin and just crypto in general. And I, th- I think that just literally with everything, the fundamentals are too strong for it to really just keep going down and enter a full-blown bear market like we saw mm. at the end of 2017, you know, from the end of the beginning of, you know, 2018 or so, it just doesn't really make sense that we actually have, that we're done for now. I mean, at some point we are going to have another bear market that sort of is built in, into the game, you know, and the the whole super cycle, I I think I mentioned this last time I was on, the whole theory of the super cycle that we were, was getting hyped up and has been trashed a little bit uh, in the whole community, the whole crypto community recently, because everybody's been a little disillusioned with this massive drop, you know. Uh, but I really think at some point we are going to see that super cycle, whether it's now or later, the whole fiat system just has to collapse. Right. It, it, we know as, as libertarians, as Austrians, that, you know, this cannot continue. It's impossible for it to. And I think, hell, I mean, the whole like just as this is off topic, but I was thinking about you know this whole recent thing with BlackRock buying up all these homes recently, these single family homes, mm-hmm. and you know either that's some great reset stuff where they're just they're trying to create scarcity of property so that it is harder for people to actually get ahead and own property, or possibly they could know something that we don't with 
the way that rates are going to be coming, changing soon. And that if, because here's the thing, the Fed might have to take interest rates negative to save the housing market. You know, because I don't know, I forget, uh, I don't know his full name, but it's Clint from Liberty Lockdown. He's been oh, on, yeah. yeah, he he was, he's done, you know, he's made a few appearances. It was on Part of the Problem and, you know, uh, Run Your Mouth and a few other podcasts where he was yeah, talking he's going about. On, he's actually going on Tim Pool next week. Which is, oh, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, but he made, he's made some great points about how, you know, the, the real estate market is just so, yeah. it's, in, it's in a massive bubble. And where I live right now, uh, I won't disclose where exactly that is, but I can tell you right here, you know, just within my neighborhood, there's too many places that are for sale that shouldn't, it, it just, they're not kept up. You know, they're, they're selling too fast. This is, mm-hmm. and I remember very well the, the bubble my, like my family, we lived through the bubble, uh, the last real estate bubble when I was much younger, obviously, back then. But I remember it vividly. I remember because we moved from one place to another. Mm-hmm. And our house that should not, in the place that we moved from was, I remember my parents and even I being, like, I didn't know the exact value, but I, like, I later learned like how much it sold for. And I was blown away because it was, it was a piece of crap. And, you know, obviously... You know, things are a little different now with the situation because it's partially driven. Uh, it, it, the bubble was definitely there before all the COVID stuff, but yeah, once they once they lift those uh, those foreclosure restrictions and eviction restrictions, it's gonna be it's gonna be bloody. And I'm, I'm yeah. yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how that affects the crypto market. Uh, you know, we we because I, I really think the uh, people are gonna lose faith in a lot of these institutions that are backing this whole. Uh, this whole system that creates these bubbles that they, that basically makes it impossible for you know the kids to move out of the house to downsize yeah. to you know to basically make it people for people to live normally uh, and I I'm I'm hopeful that you know this will allow people to sort of you know this will give us a narrative for DeFi and you know decentralized insurance to sort of step in here which I think if you want to start you know transitioning to this topic we can yeah totally let's do it yeah I don't know about what I'm bullish on. But uh, yeah, I, I just, I really, I'm really concerned with uh, where that's going. And I think but that concern is fueling a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, interest from traditional investors. And, you know, a lot of, it, I think we're starting to see that mainstream attention because people mm-hmm. are aware that things are getting unstable again. But yeah, and that, I think that leads us into DeFi, which is. Yeah, um, so we, we, why don't we start with, why don't we start with ETH if, uh, if you're okay with yes. that, yeah. just kind of, just kind of give a, I don't know. Have we, have we talked about DeFi much um, with the much, two of us on the I, show? I don't, I forget because we talk so much about it. I know. Uh, we, I know show. we've talked yeah. about, I know we've talked about Link. Um, yes, we have. But why don't we, yeah. So why don't we, first of all, just kind of give a very bare bones description of what DeFi is and how Ethereum kind of powers it. Okay. Yeah. So as many listeners Probably are aware, but you know a lot probably also aren't. Mm-hmm. Ethereum is the second most valuable cryptocurrency on the market, and it differs from Bitcoin in the way that you can create decentralized applications on it. You can create your own cryptocurrency on it. You can create, you know, and the whole premise of Ethereum is that you can create, you know, and all the, the thing that powers all this is that there, you know it's smart contracts, you know, that sort of enable it enables you to create these advanced programs, like these advanced applications. And what you mentioned as what powers it earlier is the Ether 
currency on the Ethereum blockchain that is used as you know the gas for all the other transactions on the network. And some developments with Ethereum that are coming up that's actually quite bullish for it. So you know a lot of people have been criticizing Ethereum for going from proof of work uh, to proof of stake network, which means that unlike Bitcoin uh, and as they currently do now, they won't have miners validating transactions. They will have uh, nodes that are run through uh, staking of Ether, verifying those transactions. And this has has gotten some criticism from the Bitcoin community and some more of the older uh, people in the community who say that it's not really decentralization and that it's inflationary. The biggest criticism really is that it's inflationary uh, and that you know, it's not Austrian and that it's not good monetary economics. And it really doesn't have to be good monetary economics, quote unquote, because it's not a reserve asset. It's, uh-huh. you know, it's the utility for these. It's, it's basically you're, it's, it's, it's computing energy is what you're buying, you know, and fortune. And now we have, I don't know, have you, have you heard of EIP 1559? No. Have you heard of that? Uh-huh. Okay. So next month, uh, this is actually really cool. So this is the first step towards, you know, Ethereum 2.0 launching is they are integrating, uh, you know, this new protocol into Ethereum called, you know, it's EIP 1559. And they're going to start burning the, like Ether on the network. So every transaction of Ether is going to burn some of that off. I don't know the exact percentage. So you're going to start seeing, you know, Ether become more deflationary as time goes on. Okay. And there's going to be more, there, as time, and there's going to be more, uh, I don't know the exact, because I'm not, you know, a lot of the projects I love are built on Ethereum, but I'm not as much of an, an Ether guy as, you know, some others are. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other proposals too that are going to be implemented later on. So that's kind of exciting what's going on with Ethereum. Uh, but yes, yeah, so all, going back to, you know, all the stuff that is built on Ethereum, uh, so you can build these programs on Ethereum. And what DeFi is, is it's decentralized finance. And because Ethereum allows you to build, you know, like all these blockchain applications, we've now been able to build things like decentralized lending, decentralized exchanges for crypto, decentralized exchanges for stocks, and also derivatives. And you're also starting to see, you know, insurance crop up too. Uh, And that's sort of separate from DeFi, but it's kind of related to it also. But that's sort of a brief introduction to DeFi. We kind of got sidetracked with, you know, Ethereum sort of, Talking about what's going on there and what's happening there. Sure. Well, let's yeah. actually. Why don't we? Why don't we stick with that for just a minute? Um, yeah. So, a couple of other criticisms I've heard of Ethereum. Um, one of them is that it's centralized. I think you touched on that for a second, but then, like just now, you kind of gave a, you kind of gave an illustration of 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 that by you know saying that you know they're going to start burning ether. I don't I don't quite know what that means, but I know that that's not going to happen in Bitcoin. Yeah. So because the way like. In effect, because of the way that it's moving over to proof of stake, if, if there weren't any other alterations to the protocol, there would be an infinite supply and it would be inflationary over time of Ether. Mm-hmm. However, with the new, uh, with the fir- this is the first of many that are going to be coming down the line, but EIP 1559, uh, and I think that's the correct way of saying it. I've only read all this stuff. I don't, I don't watch a lot of videos or really sure. listen to podcasts. All I do is I just, I read a lot of intense articles or tweets and threads about things. So if I ever say anything wrong, that's that's why. <laughs> um, but uh, so what basically by burn what what I say about them burning is so every transaction in ether uh, 
part of that is paid to, currently it's paid to the miners that are validating the transactions. Mm -hmm. It's going to switch. Uh, some of it still is going to be paid to the miners until it goes to a proof of stake network on Ethereum 2.0. But going forward, some, you know, some of that Ether in that transaction from that would go to the gas fees is now just going to be burned away. It's going to go to a wallet that nobody has access to and it's going to be taken out of circulation. So in effect, you're deflating the mm -hmm. supply of the currency. Now, it's still going to be increasing, I think, gradually over time for a little while, but there are going to be some deflationary, uh, there's some other deflationary protocols, like not protocols, proposals that I've read about that are gaining traction. I don't know the exact, uh, I don't know them well enough to talk about them, but there is some more stuff coming down the pipeline. I know that is positive for Ethereum in terms of decentralization. So and is the only sound. is the only positive to moving to a proof of stake model? Um, is 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 the environmental concern the only positives, or are there others? Well, it's not the, really the environmental concern from a user standpoint. It's actually the fees. It's you know because right now with proof of work, see the benefit of proof of work is that base if if like with Bitcoin and currently with Ethereum. You know, there's so much hash rate, aka computing power behind it, that it is secure and that any transactions or anything stored on the network, it's basically guaranteed. Uh, with proof of stake, you know, if the model is, you know, built correctly, and I think Ethereum will succeed here with uh, Ethereum 2.0. And I think other, some other proof of stake networks will too, because they're not, you know, again, they're not exactly designed to be money, like in the same way Bitcoin is. Mm -hmm. um, I really think that... Uh, sorry, I'm a little uh, dehydrated here. Uh, I think, yeah, uh, I think that they're going to. Um, I think, like, sorry, a big a big reason for them switching over to proof of stake is it's really going to help with fees because right now, like as you saw over the past few months, whenever things were going crazy, the Ethereum network was pretty hard to use. It was pretty. It was hard to send transactions without paying a ton to do so. You know, to go on Uniswap, which is the leading decentralized exchange, you know, built on Ethereum, your average transaction was over $200 equivalent in Ether. So mm -hmm. you had to be buying massive amounts of anything on there to make it worth it. And that was just to, that was just to make a purchase. To withdraw from there was even more expensive too. And then it just, with proof of work, you know, it's, again, like that's, that's the kind of the problem. Whenever you don't have like that much, like, because as, as a network grows, proof of work, it does become more efficient. Mm -hmm. You know, the problem is with Ethereum, it's designed to have, be used not as money, but for like computing power. So it becomes highly inefficient to be using uh, like, pr like proof of work for, you know, to query things on, like just for, for basic computations, you know, for anything built on it. And, you know, I think proof of work will, you know, with the things that they've implemented and are going to implement, I think it will succeed. Um, but yeah, that sort of is the main complaint. And that's sort of the, like the main benefit, though. Uh, the main complaint from people is that. But I think the main benefit is that you're going to see a massive reduction in fees across the network. And it's become, mm -hmm. you know, going to become a lot more usable for people who, you know, the, the barrier to entry is going to be lowered, I think. That was kind of a rambling explanation. Sorry about that. No, it's great. So, I mean, we've, we've got an hour, so yeah. <laughs> rambling is perfect. Um, another criticism I've heard of proof of stake is that it 
it kind of causes a, a caste system where in order to in order to like prosper as a holder of a of a proof of stake token you have to already hold it whereas with proof of work anybody with a computer conceivably can do it well yeah the same criticism can be said for proof of work though because you know with bitcoin i mean it's a lot harder to mine bitcoin now uh for your average consumer than it was you know a decade ago you need thousands tens of thousands of dollars you know in space and gpus and electricity now to profitably mine bitcoin you know to, to do that and now you know your average person can't do that and i mean yeah there's other you know hypothetically there's other coins you can mine but you know if you if you want a network to truly be decentralized you know there's always as as time goes on as values created by the network there's going to be uh, less opportunities, I think, for you know anybody, whether it's proof of work or proof of stake, to be able to profit off of it in some way. All right, cool. So uh, let's. Okay, I think now you have my permission to go on to the other stuff that you wanted to talk about. Let's let's get into DeFi a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. So DeFi is again, you know, it's, it's decentralized finance. It's all. You know, it's, it's in the name. It's decentralized applications, you know, for finance built on Ethereum. Uh, you've got exchanges, you've got lending, you've got all sorts of cool things that are built on it. The projects that I am most bullish on, and there's not many. I mean, there's a, there's a lot in DeFi that's really cool and exciting, but my focus is, I'm very focused on the very basic fundamentals because right now, you know, if we're going to see growth in the sector, you need to get the very basic things right. You need, you know, basically all the things I said right. You need lending, you need exchanges, you need the plumbing to be working before you can start building the really nice houses mm-hmm. on top of it. And what I'm bullish on, you know, there's just a few projects like, for example, Synthetics, um, you know, and the price action across the board on all these hasn't really been that beautiful lately. DeFi has just, you know, as a sector in crypto, especially because we've seen a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of downside the past few weeks and months, DeFi has been getting kicked in its ass. Uh, I think at some point here, pretty soon, that's going to turn around. Let me look at the chart right now. Let's let's see if I'm uh, let's see if I'm eating my words. Uh, no, things are looking kind of decent right now overall. Bitcoin's still above forty thousand, so hopefully. Uh, yeah, I haven't shot myself in the foot just yet. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but some, I, synthetics I, is yeah. synthetics is on a okay trajectory. It looks yeah. like. I mean, it's approaching yeah. ten bucks, which is which is about where it was when you told me to buy it a month and a half, two months ago. So yeah, because I thought I didn't. Well, I didn't see this. I didn't see this coming. I, nobody, nobody did. I know you didn't. I'm just giving you shit. Yeah, I know. I know. No, I know. But I, I, I feel so. I feel so bad about that. I mean, I lost a lot of money too on that unrealized. Yeah, uh, dude, money, you lost. But, you probably lost more money than I have. So you know, I mean, yeah, maybe perspective is important. So yes, it's true. Yeah. But uh, yes, anyways, but like so, synthetics. Yes, synthetics. Why? Here's why I'm bullish on DeFi though. And here's what I'm bullish on. Synthetics is a, you know, it's a decentralized stock exchange, essentially, and derivatives platform. You can tokenize stocks and put them on the blockchain. So, you know, recently we've had all this stuff happen with, you know, AMC, with GameStop, you know, and all this shit with Robinhood. They, like, as you know, halted the trading. They stopped 
retail from screwing over, you know, all the hedge funds, all the, you know, the buddies of big government and, you know, retail, of course, in the end was left holding the bag. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I haven't really followed the AMC thing as much. I think it might be doing slightly better than GameStop, but still, uh, this solves that because you, with a deep, with decentralized finance, you know, with an actual decentralized stock exchange, you can't turn off the trading. You can't stop people from taking the trades. If there's somebody on the other side of it willing to take the other side of a trade, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. You know, you, it's, it's baked into the protocol to be fair to everyone. And that's, I think that, that's, one, that's one narrative I think you have right there that's really what makes, important. What makes something like that attractive to the, corporation, the corporations that are listed on the stock exchanges? Why would, why would a company want to switch to synthetics over the NASDAQ or uh, NYSE? Uh, well, because it cuts out a lot of the middlemen uh, between them and investors. Um, because hypothetically, if and I'm, I'm sure at some point the SEC or some other regulatory body is going to step in, but hypothetically, right now, you know, and you would need obviously the permission of you know the, gov- the governance council on synthetics, uh, which is again, it's it's run through decentralized governments, uh, like you know most cryptos are, and. Uh, you know, if if you want to list directly on there, if say somehow your company, like you can't get listed on NASDAQ or, you know, this right New York Stock Exchange, you know, if you get their permission to list there, you could hypothetically launch, you know, your stock on their exchange. You could just list your stock on their exchange, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, if it truly is a decentralized exchange, you know, like where you can just like list anything, like you could just literally put your stock up there. If you want to, like, you could go around all these other middlemen who get a bunch of money from you, who take have lawyer fees, uh, and just go directly to the consumer. You know, and that's why I, at some point, I think we're going to see uh, regulators try to mess with this. But you know, again, that's kind of the problem. It's global, and you know, I think you know you're going to see uh, it, it's gonna there's going to be a game of cat and mouse. Mm-hmm. I think at some point, and you know, maybe in the United States and other countries, you know, I think there could be serious regulatory action. But at the same time, there's going to be countries like El Salvador who are like, uh, hey, this is a great opportunity. We're open for business. And all that capital is going to flood to them. All these other countries are going to miss out on it. They're going to have to figure out a way to bend the knee, basically, to these protocols that are super profitable for these other jurisdictions yeah. that are promoting, you know, decentralization. I think probably I was thinking too parochially in that question and thinking that like Google was going to jump ship off of whatever exchange it's on right now and switch over to synthetics. But really what synthetics provides is an opportunity for um, smaller upstarts. And really, I mean, the uh, the stakeholder capitalism thing for all its, for all its faults, um, I would imagine that something like a decentralized stock exchange would be attractive to some of those more woke companies, especially exactly. the ones that are just getting started. Exactly. Yeah. Cause you, you know, and I'm sure, you know, at the same time, there's going to be some people, you know, obviously from the woke side that would go, Oh, you know, it's not actually protecting people because they, there's no one to stop them from making the mistakes. Mm-hmm. And you know, that, that usual, you know, you know, elitist crap disguised one, as a, one would hope that the Occupy Wall Street people haven't become so, uh, so brainwashed by the what God? What's the word? cathedral? I guess um, that that they would see through those arguments. And undoubtedly, you're right. Some some people will um, oh. buy into that. But 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about that real quick, I, a lot of people on the left have bought into the whole, oh, crypto is destroying the environment narrative. Yeah. And, and yeah. the cathedral is doing their hardest to promote that with mm-hmm. them because they see it. They, they know it's a threat to them. They mm-hmm. know that if, if the real lefties, if the real people like on the left saw what this could do for your average person, yeah. like your, your average working class person, like this could really set a lot of people free. This could actually create, you know, we could see more steps towards, you know, worker-owned companies or worker-controlled co-ops or whatever. You know, this this technology, ironically, while it enables a lot of capitalistic things, also enables them to do a lot of things too. Uh, and that's, I think that's the greatest threat to the cathedral is if they realize that this isn't actually destroying the environment and, you know, that it's actually good for them. But, you know, of course, that's, that's their greatest, that's the cathedral's greatest uh, uh, talent is tricking the left, you know, with other things and uh, sort of putting putting one thing in front of them and distracting them with it when there's something way worse behind it. Yeah. Well, and and just to, I mean, I'm guessing that most people don't really care who are listening to this show, but, you know, just to, just to add a little bit of meat to the bones of this environmental concern, um, I, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't uh, confirmed this, I guess, uh, other than just from other Bitcoin fans. But you told me that some super high percentage of Bitcoin are actually mined using renewable energy. Um, yeah, and also, they're. I mean, it's it's mined in places where energy is cheap. It's not like it's not like they're. It's not like it's Centerpoint Energy or Excel Energy up here in the in the Twin Cities or whatever. Um, that's that's bearing the burden of this. It's 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 you know, the guy with, with what, a solar panel or, or battery array or something like that. Right. Yeah. I think I originally told you, and this was the number that was going around, it was roughly 70 to 75% of all Bitcoin was actually produced uh, with green energy. So it wasn't actually 70 to 75%. So 70 to 75% of all the miners and validators, like all the people that contribute to the Bitcoin network, mm-hmm. use some form of green energy, either entirely or sort of like a hybrid system where they get some from fossil fuels and some from green energy. And it's actually somewhere close to, in total, 40% uh, of the Bitcoin network is powered by green energy, which is still, that's a huge percentage. Mm -hmm. Like 40% of Bitcoin is green energy. That's huge. And Elon Musk is saying like, oh, not till over half of it, you know, is clean. Well, we accept it again for payments. But you know, then again, who's really going to want to pay uh, the greatest, you know, appreciate like the most, uh, the sorry, the the most appreciative asset over the past decade for one of the most, you know, historically depreciative assets, which is a yeah. new car. You know, like I would never pay for a car with Bitcoin or any right, other right. crypto unless I, unless it was I, I was confident we were at some cycle top and it was you know a good time to unload it. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, what were you going to say? Uh, I think I was going to say, like, I, I probably wouldn't pay for much of anything with Bitcoin right now, other than maybe oh, no. <laughs> other other tokens, really. And even that, um, I mean, I've done it, but it's probably not the wisest thing in the world. Um, okay, cool. So that's synthetics. Is there anything else you wanted to say about about that particular project? Yeah. Uh, well, just, you know, I think we kind of covered synthetics pretty well there. There's also Aave, which mm-hmm. is, you know, it's it's all crypto tokens right now, but it's decentralized lending. And that's, and, and that's AAVE for people who are interested yes. in, in looking a little bit digger, digging a little bit deeper into it. Yes. Oh, also back to synthetics. That's, you know, synthetics with an X at the end. Yeah. So it's S Y N T H E E. 
E T I X, I think. Something well, you'll, like that, you'll yeah. put it in the description. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's S N X is the yeah. is the symbol that they use. Yes, it's, and then yes, and then Ave is A A V E, you know, and then it's this it's the the name is the ticker. So yeah. yes, this is a this is a confusing conversation. The more I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so Aave is decentralized lending, um, and you can you know use that for margin trading. Uh, you can use that for you know anything. Right now, it's only crypto, uh, but going forward, it's, it's you know you'll be able to use other assets on it as well. And I think that's you know again just very basic. You know, basically taking out like you know at some point, if we're able to do all lending or most lending through blockchains, where you're able to get a competitive interest rate with a bank and you don't have to deal with a bank, uh, that's going to be great. And also, you know, like the fact that you can basically for whatever reason, like if you need a loan for anything, you could hypothetically do it through them. Uh, and like just anybody, like, cause that's the thing with uh, decentralized lending services, like anybody can, as long as there's capital there and, you know, the contract is, you know, viewed as good by you and the other person, you can take it. And the fact that like now, like this whole, like basically the whole, the cathedral's whole, uh, like big, like their biggest corporate friends, which is like the whole, the whole banking system, which is tied to the little federal reserve system. Mm-hmm. And the whole financial system is just basically, they're not going to be they're They're going to have to accept it at some point because it's just going to, it's going to create higher yields for their customers. And, you know, ultimately, you know, they need to follow their customers um, but that's really why I'm most excited about that. So there's that. And then, uh, for de- as far as exchanges for crypto right now, there's, uh, there's one and some of the Austrians and some of the more economics nerds will probably pick up on this, but it's called a uh, Bancor, which actually the name, uh, comes from, uh, Keynes's, uh, original idea for a, w- a world currency called Bancor, oh. but the actual, yeah, I know. Ironic. Uh, but it's actually not anything like that. It's okay. a uh, it's a decentralized exchange for crypto, um, and it's you know, and that's again, that's the area that I think is sort of going to be uh, the most uh, crazy for Dexes coming up. Is Dex is not sorry for DeFi coming up is Dexes. It's decentralized mm-hmm. exchanges. I think that's the area it's going to have the most growth because you know that sort of is the the base framework that we're working with right now. Is just we're still we're still working on just you know, decentralizing crypto exchanges because we still rely on Binance and Coinbase and Gemini yeah. and all these other ones. And the, all of those places require uh, know your customer verifications exactly. and things like that. And, you know, if you want to get on the real Binance exchange in the United States, you have to use a VPN and pretend like you're in another country. Luckily, you're in Russia, so you can do it. But, yes, you know, yes. Uh, for normal people like like me, um, and, you know, I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if that's, strictly speaking, illegal, as long as I report it to the IRS and all that, but it still feels kind of shady. So, you know, I mean, doing this stuff above board on a, on a DEX is attractive to me, except that every time I've ever used a DEX, my fucking, uh, gas fees were, you know, almost as high as the, as the exchange. Exactly. The transaction rather. Exactly. And that's, you know, again, like with Bancor, you know, that's the sort of the whole idea behind it is that it's, it's a low, it's a low gas, you know, mm. DEX uh, that, you know, is also at the same time has good tokenomics for holders and promotes growth of it, you know. And that's why I like Bancor. However, you have other exchanges that are doing really cool stuff too. You, like, you have SushiSwap, you have One Inch, 
there's a lot of activity happening with Dexas. My my horse is just Bancor, uh, and you you know, I think you really right now it's 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 hard to go wrong with any of the top Dexas as a like a, as a hold for the cycle or for the next few years because mm-hmm. like I really like once like that really sort of is the next key area for DeFi to break because if we can get you know crypto to be because you know crypto is supposed to be decentralized if we can sort of break this one problem that has unfortunately popped up and has begun to plague us now with centralized exchanges. If we can finally, you know, if we can fix our own damn problem, I think that can really sort of get these other projects moving for these other sectors in finance too. You know, like I think with synthetics, with Aave, you know, and then we can start building from there with a lot of other things. So uh, is is Bancor for you, like just that's the that's the one that you heard about and got excited about first? Or is there a reason that you prefer it over... Some of those it's tokenomics. Indexes. It's 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 okay. purely the tokenomics of it, uh, within the way the governance council works. And okay. I I could get into that, but I don't think anybody listening uh, would really understand or care to listen because it, it's just <laughs> it, it's a lot of it's technical. Well, as long um, as you know my audience better than I do, let's yeah, let's get on to your next favorite thing. Yeah, but uh, no, but it's I, I do like I do like the tokenomics of it a lot, and mm-hmm. I just I think going forward, it's you know it's the most. Uh, Stable and decentralized for a DEX. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, oh, but before we get on to the next thing, can you can I, can you kind of define tokenomics? Yeah, uh, tokenomics are just you know depending on whatever your network is designed to do. Uh, it basically just means is the way that the flow of tokens, the way the nodes, uh, the supply of the tokens, like is it all like situated in a way that will work. You know, that's sort of tokenomics. It's like economics, but, you know, it's sort of like, okay, is there going to be like a good flow here of like the the actual native token on the network? And are we actually going to be able to use this token to achieve the stated goals of the network? Mm -hmm. And if it, you know, if a network has good tokenomics, then it will succeed. And like, that's why, you know, obviously Bitcoin has amazing tokenomics. You know, it's it's why it's sort of marketed and it has become sort of digital gold. You know, it's the ultimate Mm -hmm. reserve asset. You know, and I think Ethereum has really good tokenomics, and they're changing their tokenomics. But I think you know, it's really more of an evolution than like a change. And I think it'll be a successful move. Well, I I would say switching from proof of work to proof of stake is more revolutionary than evolutionary. Wouldn't I mean? I think it's evolutionary because and it, it's it's very it's a big step. But you know, then again, creatures going from like I mean, you know, if we're not within the you know pure creationist ten thousand years. Uh, years sure. uh, standpoint, uh, but like you know, creatures went from water to land. Like that was you know a revolutionary thing, but it's evolutionary. Uh, okay. You know, I think you know, I think I just think Ethereum taking the step to proof of stake. I think it was inevitable uh, because again, like I think proof of work is great for a monetary system mm-hmm. uh, like Bitcoin, but proof of stake is better for you know like a, a utility utilitarian blockchain. Yeah. Network. Do you think that's uh do you think that's kind of the the fundamental misunderstanding that bitcoin mas- maximalists have um when they say that like, you know, ethereum and the you know, the projects that are built on it are scams or or whatever, inflationary or never going to so. work, that kind of thing. I think so. I think a lot of them, because they came from, you know, they came to the space a long time ago when there wasn't, you know, DeFi or and smart contracts weren't really a thing. Uh, I think that, a, I think that they come at it 
from the wrong angle. I think they come at it from this, oh, you know, we're trying to, you know, we're still trying to replace, find a reserve asset, we're replacing the dollar, we're replacing fiat currency. Mm-hmm. You know, we're gonna, you know, th- this is what we're, you know, we're, we're building towards, you know, a future where we're gonna transact everything in this, you know, and they're not thinking of it in terms of, oh, hey, blockchain is a tool beyond just monetary policy. It's also a tool to decentralize, you know, like I said, finance, uh, decentralize yeah. insurance, decentralize all these other things. And I think they're missing, they're missing the, like, I think, is it, is the saying they're missing the forest for the trees? Yeah. Something yeah. Like I think, that. yeah, I think, I think it's like, that's, that's what it is. They're just, they're missing the big picture. And, and I think a lot of them also, because a lot of, to be fair, a lot of them made a great, I mean, buying Bitcoin, you know, a decade ago, you know, or like, you know, before like 20, like 16 was an amazing move, you know, and I think a lot of them were, just, you know, they're, they're kind of still smelling their own farts of like, oh man, I made this amazing decision and there's nothing else that can be better than this. Sure. You know, and Bitcoin's amazing. Bitcoin is one of the greatest creations in the history of mankind, you know, and, but there's, there's, it opened, it was the beginning. It wasn't the end of blockchain. Mm-hmm. It was the beginning. And I think it's going to be here to stay, but yeah, they, they just, they really, it, it, it just, it, it, it's really, it, it boggles my mind really that, you could not see these things, other creations on blockchain and be like, oh, sure. this is awesome. This is going to benefit decentralization humanity. I just, I don't get it. And I, I, I think a lot of it is very, like it comes from a, a, a well-meaning place of like, oh, I'm trying to prevent, you know, like something that's, you know, it's, it's, it's not really generating real value and there's nothing that's going to come from it. But at the same time, it's kind of this boomer mentality of, oh yeah, you know, like uh, my stuff was great, but what comes next? So that nothing else can new yeah. can be good. You know, it's sort of that you know that old man shaking fist at the world thing. What do they, um, like? What do they think is going to come? I mean, do they think that basically decentralized finance is just never going to is never going to take off, and so people are going to be doing their 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 financial like everything contracts and well for a insurance long time, and all that for the a same while, way they always have just just with Bitcoin instead of fiat. Well, for a while, the narrative was that you don't need DeFi. With some, this is the for some maximalists at least. Mm-hmm. Like the narrative was, oh yeah, you don't. We're not. We don't really need this. Bitcoin solves all those problems in general. Like because we like like oh yeah, we can have all these institutions. You know, and they'll just be using Bitcoin. They can't do anything. But now the narrative has shifted for the maximalists, saying that oh no, DeFi is awesome. DeFi is great. This is this. You know, these services are awesome. But we're building it on Bitcoin. And it's, 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 it's honestly, I, a very, it's a self-defeating argument because if Bitcoin is supposed to be, you know, the ultimate settlement layer that's designed to be, you know, digital, I mean, and early, you know, the people that split off, you know, your Vin Armani's of the world will disagree with this, uh, you know, your Bitcoin cash people, you know, that, you know, it's not supposed to be digital gold and this, you know, ultimate reserve asset, but that's what the maximalists, you know, have treated it as. And, it's it's stupid to build DeFi then on Bitcoin because you're using you're basically hogging hash power and Bitcoin you know away from the network and you're using it like it, you're it's stupid really in my opinion I I just I don't see it like it it's just it's a really it really is a religious fervor and it kind of is like this cult that's formed around you know Bitcoin and you know not not to say there isn't you know some well-founded reasons for it. Because like I said earlier, Bitcoin's great, but it's just, it really is just this 
illogical religious devotion, you know? And I think you see it, you see a lot of this more, uh, I think it's more blatant with altcoins uh, because they haven't succeeded. I mean, yeah, you have like, you know, groups like I'm in, like the Link Marines. Uh, but uh, like, you know, I think, for example, like look at, look at Bitcoin Satoshi's vision. Obviously that's starting to fail, but for a long time you had some real cultish behavior behind that. Like it's just, there's something about crypto and I think it's because people like, it's one, it's, it's you know, it's, it's technology that has significant potential and promise. And two, their finances are tied up in it. I think that just, it creates, a, you know, it, it creates the perfect conditions for fanaticism. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, right now, given that we're kind of entering an era where everything is religious, uh, you know, Vin Armani calls it the, the dim age and the new age of magic and all that stuff. I mean, that's just, I think, par for the course in any kind of, like, big world-changing project or movement uh, is you're you're just going to see that religious fervor no matter what, whether it's whether it's Trump and QAnon or, um, you know, the COVID hysteria or cryptocurrency. That's just kind right. of where we're at. I mean, even, hell, I mean, look what's going on in the LP right now. Uh, even libertarians are are prone to it. Yeah. Um, what's uh What's your next What's your next project that you're that you're excited about? Oh man, uh, I, there's nothing really too new on my radar at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just been focused on surviving. Uh, I've had some <laughs> other I've had some other things come up in real life uh, that I've been a little more focused sure, on yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah as we we discussed. Yeah, uh, and. Yeah, but other than that, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm focused on trying to just, you know, hopefully if we're actually getting a reversal here today and throughout the next few weeks into, you know, I'm, I'm hoping by midsummer we're going to be back in the full swing of things because, okay. you know, trading was on easy mode for a long time there, yeah. uh, you know, as, as you got to see. Uh, and I'd really like that to come back. That would be, that'd be nice. And I'm just focusing on trying to, you know, if that doesn't come back, I'm just focusing on trying to survive. Through the, the uh, through the chop of the market, sure. Uh, because you know, I mean, there, I, I probably should be doing more research right now and trying to you know dive in deep on what you know, like what else there is. But like, as far as like my cycle plays that I've sort of picked, I'm so I'm kind of kind of like there, yeah, kind of kind of at where I'm at. So like basically like like you know, there's none of this is financial advice, of course. Anything I've said, you know, and anything that I'm about to say, but like you know, what what I'm interested in, obviously, like here's my overall like list is, you know, besides Bitcoin and Ethereum, you know, I think Chainlink is great, um, you know, Synthetics, you know, uh, Bancor, Ave, um, Ren's another one that I, it has it, it's kicked my ass. I unfortunately, uh, you know, if if you want to gamble on a privacy token, that's a good, that's a decent one to maybe uh, look into. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm just focused on, you know, Chainlink really and DeFi. That's, that's really my area of sight. That's where I'm most excited. And I'm just trying to trade it, you know, right now. Because I, I think that if, if we can sort of pull off a 2030, I was, this was my mistake and a lot of others. We were comparing this whole like Bitcoin crypto cycle to 2017s when really we should have realized it's going to be its own thing. And, you know, now I'm, in hindsight, uh, I'm, you know, maybe now this is going to be like a 2013 like cycle where you know we it's a double bubble where in the first part of the year we go crazy like this, cool off a little bit, and then come back stronger uh, towards the end. Which, you know, I sort of like I said earlier, the fundamentals are just the narrative is too strong 
for mm-hmm. Bitcoin and crypto and DeFi. It's just, they're literally just like, they're just like, not even, they're not even printing them. They're just typing them out on a screen saying, oh yeah, we have more dollars now. I think it's, it's inevitable whether, yeah. whether it's happening now or in the next few years, you know, it's, it's, it's going to happen. It's a little bit scary. Um, it definitely is. Talk, talk just a little bit about, about Link and what they've been up to lately. I, I think they just reissued a new white paper, right? Yes, the white paper 2.0 came out. Uh, if anybody wants to read that, uh, you can go find it on chainlinklabs.com. Uh, or if you want to go find Chainlink God's uh, podcasts on that, he had a great one uh, where he really got in depth on that. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, what's going on with Chainlink though? They're just, you know, Arbitrum launched, uh, which is, you know, that's another Ethereum-based uh, proposal. Uh, they're backing that. There's Keepers, uh, which is, you know, that's a... That's a security thing built on oracles. There's a lot of like technical stuff going on right now. Nothing really of interest to your average, you know, user or consumer. Okay. Uh, But you know, it's just it's still plugging along. Price action has unfortunately not been as uh, as nice as I want it to be lately. But then again, that's you know the whole market. Um, I'm still. Super excited on it going forward. Um, oh, recently, Sergey Nazarov went on Lex Friedman, though. So if anybody, uh, you know, wants to listen to that, I highly recommend uh, listening. Because Sergey, you know, is the, you know, he's the co-founder and CEO of Chainlink. And uh, there's a conspiracy theory. And there's, you know, I think some evidence for it that he might be involved with the development of Bitcoin. Might be one of the people behind Satoshi, but... That's just wild speculation, and you can look into that on your own. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I did see. I did see that Link is getting into video games. Did you have you seen that? And do you know anything about it? No, I have. Oh, is it the uh, is it the verifiable randomness you're talking about? I don't know. Oh, I have not seen this. All right, cool. Well, maybe bring it next time you're next time you're on the show. You can Crap. do a little bit of research because I like you. I mean, I I obviously had never heard of it before mm-hmm. you brought. Chain link to my attention, um, but I think it's a really exciting project. I, I think I think it's it's pretty cool. Uh, I do some dollar cost averaging, like just every week, deposit a little bit of money into three different coins, and it's always Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Chainlink. So um, that's actually that's actually been keeping me in the green this year. Uh, even the last couple of months, I'm still I'm still profitable. Um, you know, ever since I started, so that's that's good. Yeah, uh, I'm glad. Yeah, not I'm, just I'm, not just doing trading, which uh, I was cautioned against by everyone I know the first <laughs> the first time I talked to you. So, uh, um, but overall, yeah. wait. So overall, though, trading has been a net has, has been. I mean, I know it's been more difficult lately. The bot has uh, bled a little bit, but overall, profitable venture. No, no, I'm in the red. Oh, the, you're in the red on, now. On strictly on the trading account. Yeah. Oh no. I know. Oh, I'm so sorry. Nah, it's cool. It'll it'll bounce back. We're we're good. It's been more of an experiment than anything. I was able to bail myself out a little bit, um, just by when it when it was starting to look bad. I put everything, almost everything, into Bitcoin and Ethereum. Um, a hell of a lot better than everything. Yeah. Yeah. So they're they're doing like my my overall value is down, um, but still is up from. It's obviously it's down from my my highest amount, but uh, is it's still up from when I first started investing and trading, you know, in yeah. November or December or whenever it was. Yeah. So we're good. Yeah. We're good. We're good. It's all it's all about timing though. So yeah. you know, and you were investing at the, the you know you were starting to buy at the perfect time, and then yeah. you you started you know trading. I think well, yeah. Unfortunately, we were getting a little overheated, but yeah, yeah. you know, it's I cool. Mean, 
When you're in a bubble, you don't know. Yeah, and you live and learn. I mean, that's the that's the that's the kind of thing about. I mean, I, I hesitate to call it straight up gambling, but it's kind of like it. Um, and, yeah, it, yeah, in a way, it's like poker. Yeah, like there's like actually you, you, a game to it. Yeah, there's there's stuff there's skill to it, but also there's a pretty good amount of luck. Well, anyway, uh, what, you got anything else to to talk about? on your bullet um, points or notes or anything like that? Or do you just want to plug your social media and stuff? Trying to see, is there anything else here? Uh, no, I think we covered everything that right. I want to talk about. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Um, yeah, everybody go follow me at Pavel Trades on Twitter. Uh, cool. I'm toying with the idea of maybe having a podcast soon. I talked, I, I asked you briefly recently about what you use, but I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure about that. We'll see. My, 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 I might, I might do that. But in, in the meantime, you can just follow me. Uh, I don't really post anything of too much importance right now. I just shit post mostly. Yeah. Uh, but if you have any questions or anything, you can DM me again at Pavel Trades on Twitter. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Pavel. Thanks again for having me back, James. See you later. All right. Thanks once again to Pavel for joining me today. And thank you, as always, for tuning in. Don't forget to support our sponsor, Juliet Nail at buenterprises.com. She will teach you how to use your body right. And also, if you haven't already, head over to blackbird.substack.com. Sign up with your email address so that you never miss an episode of this show or written content that I produce. And as I have been promising for a very long time, as my audience grows, the market for premium content will be growing as well. If you want to get in on that game even earlier than everyone else, sign up for one of the paid options at blackbird.substack.com. More and more premium stuff will be coming out by the end of this year. I also appreciate you sharing the show with your friends so that we can get the word out there. If you have anybody in your circles who you think could benefit or might just enjoy this content, then be sure to let them know that I exist. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, live free. 